Well, good morning, Grace people. Again, and good morning for the first time for you guys who are online. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Same question, ask it three different ways. It has entirely different meanings, and you really hope you're not on the receiving end of the second one, am I right? Well, uh, the, the first time that, uh, or not the first time, but the most recent time I can remember saying excitedly, what are you doing here, um, is unfortunately too long ago, but it was one of my best friends came to surprise me. I was doing an album release show 10 years ago this day uh, in Minneapolis, and he was from Chicago, and him and a car full of friends showed up at the show, and they were all just right there. So when I got up on the platform, put on my guitar, I looked out, what are you doing here? It was so awesome. And I think the way that we ask that question says a lot about the relationship uh, between the person who's saying it and the person receiving it, right? Um, so today, I could just be curious and say, what are you doing here? As I said before, there's a lot going on today. We're celebrating confirmation. So maybe you're here to, to, to celebrate that with someone. Uh, maybe you're here to receive communion because it's the first Sunday of the month. Uh, maybe you're here because this is your custom. Every Sunday, you get up, you come to church, and you're here. Whatever the reason is, I'm glad you're here because I believe God has a word for you about that. Well, we're continuing through our series, which is called Route 66, which is really traveling through the larger biblical story. We started all the way back in Genesis with creation, and uh, here we are at kind of around the first and second kings, the historical books of Israel. So really, we haven't skipped over anything at all. We've just done every... Absolutely not true. Just had to do hop, skips, and jumps because the, the Bible's a big story and there's a lot going on. Uh, but last week, we had Solomon, the wisest king ever, who built a temple for the Lord, uh, to which the Lord was like, eh, it's fine. Thanks. Uh, but he built the temple, and you'd think, like, there's this giant place where people can come together and worship. Surely, this is going to bring all of Israel together, right? Like, everybody gets to worship in one place. But right after that, the exact opposite happened. Israel got split into two completely different kingdoms, the northern kingdoms, which continued to be known as Israel, and the southern kingdoms, which were Judah. And within these two kingdoms, there were good kings and there were bad kings. And as Pastor Darren said last week, as the king goes, so goes the kingdom. If the king is a good king, the kingdom is doing well. If the king is a bad king, uh, then it doesn't go well. Go figure. And a big part of, of uh, what made them good or bad actually also lined up with uh, their trust in the Lord, um, their, how much they trusted him to be their provider. Well, at that time in ancient Israel, there were more than just kings who were important people in Israel. There were also prophets. Anybody heard of prophets? All right. For those of you who haven't, they are really weird people. Very interesting, though. They hear from God, and they speak to the people on behalf of God. And there's uh, people with prophetic gifts even today. Uh, and one of those major prophets was Elijah. You'd think he'd have like his own giant, huge book in the Bible, right? Like you hear about him, like, okay, he sounds really important. He's got like five chapters he's in it, just barely, barely in scripture, but he's like one of the big dogs of uh, the Old Testament, and his name means the Lord is my God. We're going to hear a story all about that in just one minute. He's ranked as one of the most important prophets in Israel. Why? 
That's a great question. I actually didn't put a lot of time into finding it out, but I figured I'd toss it out to you because if you want to, that's something you can do. I get told all the time, you guys ask questions and then you answer it for us all the time. So there you go. Happy hunting. Elijah is said to have never died. He was taken away from earth in a chariot of fire. Not to be confused with the 1981 film, Chariots of Fire. Who knows it? Dun, 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 dun. No, I wasn't alive yet at that time. <laughs> Elijah appeared to Moses, or Elijah appeared with Moses to Jesus during the transfiguration. So if you've ever heard that story, Jesus is up on the mountain, and then these, these people showed up. It's Elijah and Moses, and uh, he was there. And, and why did he show up? Again, that's for you. All right. So there were several amazing stories in those five short chapters about Elijah, and they happen really just at the very end of uh, 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. And uh, if you could tell them, I'll call them back. That'd be great. So the wildest story, I think, is the story about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. All right. So there's a couple different um, uh, gods that, that are mostly worshipped who were not Yahweh at the time. Uh, and these would have been Baal and Asherah. So I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, we've got an evil king right now, evil king Ahab. And this is not the white whale hunting guy. That's Captain Ahab, different book. He is mad because Elijah says it's not going to rain because Ahab, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Ahab is being an evil king. And Elijah tells another prophet, Obadiah, he says, tell Ahab to meet me by the bike rack. Five minutes. Don't bring your old man. So uh, this is where we enter our story. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Such a grandpa phrase. That's great. I have, and Elijah responds, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now a quick note for any children in the room especially, I was telling this story to my four-year-old daughter yesterday, Mount Carmel is actually not made of Carmel. Yeah, I know, it's disappointing. There's no caramel, no caramel, nothing like that involved. It's just a regular old mountain with rocks. Boo. Everybody say boo. Boo. It's disappointing. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And I can say, honestly, there are so many times in my life where I think I could ask myself the same question or anybody could. Uh, you know, we waver back and forth in our faith and in the way we, we act, and sometimes we act like we don't follow the Lord. So if the Lord has got to follow him, Baal's got to follow him. It's still the same problem today. <clears throat> but the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So get two bulls for us. We'll each prepare our own and put it on our own altars. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Ooh, high stakes stuff here. This is intense. All right. So uh, all the people said, sounds good. 
Elijah said, since there's 450 of you, you go first. Uh, it's going to take you a lot less time to cut up a bull. So uh, they prepared the sacrifice and put it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they, they danced around the altar they had made. I don't know what it looked like, but I imagine it had to be this. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Maybe he's, maybe he's thinking or maybe he's relieving himself. Yeah, Elijah claims that their God is in the bathroom. Uh, maybe he went on a trip, or maybe he's sleeping, so wake him up. So they shouted louder and louder and continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. And with these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold about three gallons of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the woods. And he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the sacrifice and the wood. So they did it. Then he said, do it again. So they did it. Oh, he says over here. Sorry. He said, do it a third time. It's covered. At that time of that sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. I had a 3M guy after the last service, because you guys are everywhere. I had a 3M guy, and he says to me, we had to, we had to get rid of, of uh, we had to just basically burn up water. Do you know how hot that has to be? And I said, no, but I bet you do. <laughs> and, and he says, 2,000 degrees. It's like, that's, that's, that's hotter than like an iron forge, which I do know is about 1550, um, from my sword making, of course. Uh, <laughs> So the fire of the Lord fell and did that, and it's like really exciting and amazing. Unless you're a prophet of Baal, then this is really bad news. Um, they ended up getting slaughtered. Uh, when all the people saw that this happened, though, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, that would be Yahweh, He is God. The Lord, He is God. After that, evil Ahab's evil wife Jezebel, you don't meet a lot of Jezebels, wants to kill Elijah, so he runs away to a desolate place and has a pity party for one while uh, God provides food for him. And after a bit, God meets him there. And about this time is where we're, we're picking up on the story we saw in the children's message. So children, you're going to have to be alert. I might ask you some questions here. The word of the Lord came to the prophet, and the Lord said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. 
So the Lord says, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And was the Lord in the wind? Somebody over there said it very emphatically, and I love it. Let's do it again. All right. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Earthquake. <laughs> and Mount Carmel earthquake? It's great. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But was the Lord in the earthquake? Yeah. After the earthquake came a fire. But was the Lord in the fire? And after that came a gentle whisper. Was the Lord in the whisper? Yes, you guys were listening. Great job. Everyone gets gold stars. Gold stars everywhere. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love this concern of the Lord and that he has for Elijah. That it wasn't this demanding thing, but just this questioning. What are you, what are you doing here? This seeking understanding. And he, he sees Elijah and he meets him there. And that definitely gives me great comfort. It's like Elijah on Mount Carmel. We all have faith high points, right? Maybe uh, the first time that we responded yes to Jesus. Maybe it's a retreat or a conference. Maybe it's confirmation. Maybe it's hearing me preach. Amazing high points in your faith, and I understand that. But there's also these desolate places, these places of doubt and isolation and maybe even hearing me preach that really aren't that great. But even in those desolate places, those places where, uh, where we believe things that aren't true, like we're alone, for instance. Um, Elijah was convinced he was alone. There was 7,000 7, others, uh, but he thought he was alone. Uh, God corrects him. Um, maybe we think no one ever loved us. Maybe we think we're better off dead. Maybe we think nobody cares and God has abandoned me. Um, in these places of, of desolation, and desperation. That's where, that's where God meets us. And this is a normal thing. This is an absolutely normal thing for God to do because God loves his people and he chases us down relentlessly. Um, so we can expect that to happen. Both the, the feeling of that, just kind of want to make sure that's clear. The feeling of feeling like, does anybody care? Does God, is God real? Does God even love? That's, that's normal to the human experience when we ask these questions. And it's been uh, said so many times that, that that's just, that's superstition. Your God is superstition. Um, and I, I, I believe that 0% because God has met me in so many places. Um, and God finding us is a normal occurrence. And, and I believe that one day you can expect, let's, let's say you get to a desolate place in your life where you run and hide. And, and especially to our confirmands up here, you guys, uh, I, I believe it's going to happen because it happens to all of us, the best of us, the rest of us. Um, and, and God will ask you, what are you doing here? And he, he will say, uh, what are you doing here, Netta? What are you doing here, Jennifer? What are you doing here, Hannah? Dylan, what are you doing here, Mason? What are you doing here, Grace? What are you doing here, Angie? What are you, what are you doing here? And in that moment, I, I hope that the way he does that, be it through, maybe it's through family, maybe it's through friends, maybe it's through a TikTok that happens to go on your phone. You're like, that's not on my FYP, but there we go. Uh, it's all right there. And, and I, I hope that your response will be, will be honest 
will be honest. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but whatever you're doing there, when God comes to you and says, what are you doing here? Just be honest with him. The Psalms are full of honesty, and he can take it. He can absolutely take it. And this goes for all of us, for all of us in this room. This isn't just if you're being confirmed today, but this is for, for every single human being. When, when God calls out to you and says, what are you doing here? Um, we can respond. And I think we can lay some groundwork knowing that it's, it's, it's within our, our fallen human nature to run away from God, and we can just trust that we're going to do that. I think we can start today and take a step toward, uh, toward this relationship with God. And it's an interesting step. It's not do better, try harder, because I'm not a big believer in that, mostly because every time I do better and try harder, I uh, do worse and stop trying. Uh, so instead, we're going we're gonna to start with confessing. It's just confessing. And it's just letting God know uh, right, right now, right at the start, just say, God, I'm not going to follow you perfectly. It's just not going to happen. And he knows this. So you're not telling him for his sake. You're, you're more just letting yourself know that it's okay that he knows. God, I'm not going to follow you perfectly. But God, when I hide, would you please come get me? Would you come after me? Because when I'm hopeless and when I'm isolated and when, and when I don't believe anything is true, will you please just chase me down and prove your love to me again and again and again? And I absolutely believe that he will. I absolutely believe that he will. I've seen it happen in my life over and over again in the lives of others. And uh, there's a scripture that said, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And there is nothing more humble than saying, I can't. God, I can't, but you can. You can. And as Dylan read the scripture for us today, that God so loves the world that he gave, he gave his only son. And not just that we could have eternal life and it ends there, but it continues, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Like the, the name of Jesus shouldn't be like, wow, you're a horrible being, you need Jesus. It should be like, wow, Jesus loves you so much, it doesn't really matter who you are or how you've been. He's coming for you. He loves you. God's great love is to love and enfold and restore us. And I pray to God that that happens within this church. Because the church has a really bad name, and I just hope every day that when we leave this place, the words on our lips aren't, what are you doing here? But there's so much more. What are you doing here? I'm so excited to see you. Wow. Whether somebody walks into the church for the first time in five years, or whether it's at a family reunion and you haven't seen them in 10 and they did you wrong, and you're just like, I hope they don't show up. But instead you say, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm so glad to see you. May we be that kind of church, grace people. Because that's the love of our God. That's the love of our God for us. That's the love of our God for the world. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, you are good. Your love endures through all generations, and I thank you today that you are the God who reveals yourself to every generation. You are going to reveal yourself to each of us uh, in a different way, in, in your own time, uh, because you know us and you see us and you come to us. So God, we confess. We don't follow you perfectly. And we confess that as much as we want to, we won't. 
Thank you for your grace in Jesus Christ who forgives us our sins and gives us new and everlasting life with you. Through that relationship, we can stand before you and when you say, what are you doing here? We can be honest to you. And I pray that in those moments, God, you restore us. You draw us to yourself. You wrap us up in the warm, cozy blanket of your love. You unfold us back into your, just keep us in your family. Keep us in your hand. And help us to be those kind of people who, uh, who see with your eyes. Highlight those people in our lives, those prodigals who have walked away, who we can say, what are you doing here with, with the love of Jesus? Not with the condemnation of the accuser, but the love of Jesus. Help us to be that kind of church, that kind of family. You can only do it by your strength. So help us out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen.